Welcome to Hits Radio, the most productive 20 minutes of your training day. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Hits is brought to you by those of us at Hits Canine Training. We provide the world's largest canine training seminar. This year, we're going to be in Chicago in August, August 13th to the 19th. Come join us with over a thousand handlers, over a hundred vendors. Any more information you want on HITS can be found on our webpage at hitscanine.net. Hitscanine.net will give you all the information. Come and check us out, see what we're all about. Today on the show, I have Cameron Ford. So Cameron and I have known each other for a long time, and we're going to discuss marker training for detection dogs. I'll tell you how I kind of got interested in this is when I left uh, patrol, retired my last patrol dog and started working a single purpose bomb dog. I watched what people were doing and I really liked when I observed several bomb dog handlers that were uh, out of like military handlers and some of the other departments that I think were a little more forward thinking. They were using a marker or a word or a clicker just to uh, signify to the dog that they found what they uh, should, then they would come back to the handler for the reward, which obviously I like that because they're not throwing uh, tennis balls or balls towards bombs, which uh, never made a whole lot of sense to me. So I liked the concept, but I wasn't really quite sure how to start it. I, I thought instead of muddling through it, I'd just go to somebody who's already done it. Cameron's been doing marker training with detections for quite a while. So he and I were teaching together in uh, Reno at Western States Canine Association sat down, drank some beer with him, and I realized that it's actually a very simple process, but it's just good to, instead of reinventing the wheel, to go with somebody who's already worked out the bugs on it. So over a beer, he got me started on how to go down that road. Since then, I am uh, hooked on it. I won't train another detector dog without using a bridge or a marker. And we'll talk a little bit about terminology and maybe what the scientists say and what the what is you know the, the, better, the better words that uh, make a little more sense for what we're doing. But with all that, let me introduce uh, Cameron Ford, and I'll let Cameron kind of talk a little bit about what he's up to right now and uh, maybe a little bit about his background. We'll put Cameron's bio on our uh, webpage. It's on the HITS webpage under instructors. So if you want to know more about Cameron and how to reach him, we'll give you that information. But his uh, information will still be on the HITS webpage under instructors. So welcome, Cameron. How are you doing? Good. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Yeah, that was a good intro there with the uh, description of how we uh, came across to where we're at today. And like you said, I was as you discussed that, it's been, gosh, about 15, 16 years now, I think we've known each other. At least, yeah, and always run into each other. You're like a bad penny every time I turn around and find <laughs> you again somewhere. Yeah, well, it, you, you've seen my career take me here and there and everywhere, so no matter where uh, someone's at, I've probably come across somebody just because the travels of the work I've been doing over the years. Exactly. But it's given you a lot of different experiences and a broad range of uh, training abilities to, to be as diverse as you, you know, what you've done. No, without a doubt. I mean, it was a tough thing to go from thinking, okay, if I stay in this one spot, I do 20 years here, this is what I'll have. And I kind of took a chance, you know, based on, you know, circumstances in life, opportunities that came my way and I decided to follow that instead, and it has. It's given me a good um, you know, background into a lot of different things so I can empathize or 
I can even better understand different segments of people when they're working dogs, depending on where they're from, whether it be military, law enforcement, um, other professional working dog handlers, even down to some of the sport ones that I've been lucky enough to uh, spend some time with. Sure. So with the detection training and using markers, how long have you been doing that? I first started doing the marker training in 2011, beginning of 2012, when I was in uh, San Antonio, Texas. I, uh, at that time, met somebody from SeaWorld, and in conversations, watching how we train dogs, the conversation evolved, and it turned into, why don't you come down here and watch how we train other animals? So I did, and my first task was given... Uh, to train a uh, green wing macaw how to uh, basically when you say stick them up it will flap its wings and I was you know demonstrated with here's a cup of uh, bird seed and go for it and it really taught me got me out of my comfort zone which was dogs and got sure. me to really get into the science of how you communicate to an animal and how important timing was and when you couldn't control the animal, such as in that case, I couldn't do anything with the with the macaw. I actually had to use scientific principles. That's how I first came across marker training. And I learned the importance of timing, timing based on behavior, and then following that up with a primary reward. And then from that moment on, I said, okay, well, I can definitely apply this to our first you know, test of it was in detection dogs, which, so, like I said, so 2012, when I started teaching it, maybe about a year later, I think it was at one of the first HITS conferences I went to. Um, a lot of people looked at me like I had, uh, you know, yeah. something run out of my face kind of thing. Like, what are you talking about? So, um, yeah. So if, if there's somebody out there that isn't really 100% sure what we're talking about, let maybe kind of explain briefly what, you know, how does that, how does that look? You know, generally we've always, uh, you know, over the past we've had our either drug dog, bomb dog, whatever, he'll, he'll search an area, go to his final indication, which almost everybody now is, is kind of passive. So, but it, whatever his indication is, then we've tossed the toy into him. So how does this change that? What, what we're talking about? Well, first thing is we always talk about is everybody admits that we are the worst doggy magicians. Everybody knows the dog knows we have the toy on us yet. We try to do things to convince the dog that we don't have this. So when the example, like you gave, when the dog comes into odor and goes into final response, then the handler tries to do either a dance or a move or do whatever and then toss the toy to source so that way the dog stays focused on source. Well, we all know, for example, if you were to lift the Velcro from your pocket, the dogs automatically know what that means. So all we're doing is making life a whole lot easier by when the dog does those alert behaviors and final response behavior, we then give a signal. That signal means you're released to come play with your toy. And that signal could be a word or it could be a clicker. Correct. Right? It's any type of the, the terminology like you were bringing up earlier. This part of terminology is your release marker. So it means to the dog that exercise done, you can now engage in reward. And some people uh, call this picture training. What, what do they mean when they say that? Basically, you're giving the dog the snapshot of this behavior at that exact moment is what you want. And there's nothing so, faster than the speed of sound. So like you said, whether it be a clicker, your voice, or a whistle, any one of those things travel the speed of sound. So you're instantly able to give that dog that mental picture of this is exactly what I want you to do. So basically when you have a dog doing a perfect indication, it, you're thinking I'm taking a perfect picture right now. And that, that lets the dog know you're marking exactly the, the time that you want 
that dog to, to understand what he did is correct at that point. Absolutely. What I like about it, um, there's a lot of things I like about it, but um, one of the things that, that from talking to you about it that I um, decided, you know, do I want to do a clicker? Do I want to do a whistle? Do I want to do something else? I use voice after talking to you and maybe you could just kind of explain why, you know, in this system, uh, voice, in my opinion, works the best. Yeah, there's a lot of debate. You know, the there's the purist side where a clicker is always consistent and the clicker is a device. It's not you. So there's some, you know, disconnect from you to a behavior kind of thing, which is correct. But at the end of the day, we go with what works most often and which is the least problematic. So what I'm getting at is you're apt to sometimes forget to have the clicker on you or you have a leash in your hand, you have something else or the, you know, the reward in the other hand or whatever it is. And then you have to try to do a clicker. So it becomes cumbersome. So by using your voice, which you'll never forget, you'll always have on you and you don't have any other pocket to, to work with it. You can easily use that, whatever word you choose to use. So in my uh, way I do it, I use the word free. So when the dog hears the word free, it knows it's able to, it's the release marker and they can come and engage. So for that's why the word um, for me, I use most common. You know, I still may use a clicker in the beginning stages and then I wean off that and then my release marker is always going to be the word free. I agree. And what I like most about using just a word as opposed to a clicker is, especially, you know, with the body cams and the, the dash cam videos and stuff seems like we have been attacked quite a bit. Drug dog handlers have been attacked quite a bit um, by queuing and, and truth be told that there's some that are guilty of queuing, you know, not, not intentionally, but the dogs learn something, you know? So I like the idea that there's, I do nothing before I say my, I use free also. There's absolutely nothing that happens before I say that word. So I just worry about some maybe handlers when they're new and they're nervous you know, they're going to start putting their finger on the button if they have a clicker on their belt. Anything that's going to start uh, cueing the dog that, that they're correct. So I, I like the idea that that we eliminate uh, anything before before the uh, marker is said. There's nothing there's nothing to help the dog out. He's got to be right or he's not. And then the hand. So if I have a handler that's maybe having a little trouble, I'll make them stand there and fold their arms. I might even make them step out of the room and they can, when the dog's correct, I'll have them say the word, I'll give them a thumbs up where they can see me. the dog can't. So to me, it just, uh, it, besides all the other benefits that are obvious of the, of marking the correct behavior, it definitely eliminates cueing to a, a large degree. Absolutely. And the, one of the biggest things that we deal with in detection, especially in the beginning is when the handler already knows the answer. So obviously in the beginning, the handler knows where the hide location is. And because they know where the hide location is, we inadvertently give cues that the dogs pick up on and they understand and they pay attention to this. So all of that becomes part of the learning process. So the less you can do that gives any help to the dog that it, that you know the answer, the better off the dog's going to be. The dog will be more reliable because it has to problem solve the puzzle for lack of a better term where the odor is at by itself without using you as much as possible sure and that's what i've noticed is that dogs that i've trained from green to finish now using this method they don't look at the handler there's no reason to look at the handler they're they're looking for the odor they're they're using their nose and then when they get in that odor they'll lock up and they're highly concentrated on listening for their the the word 
but there's no reason to look at the handler. And when they look at the handler, that word never happens. You know, where the timing of trying to throw the, the tennis ball or the towel seemed like every time the dog was perfect, about the time you started throwing the, the ball towards the dog, he'd be turned around and look at you, which would encourage him, obviously, to continue looking. So that's been one of the real big benefits to me. Yeah, and, and one of the cool little things I'm going to uh, put at my new facility I'll be at, and we'll get to that in a second, but is going to be – a there'll be the detection training area so whether it be let's say boxes or suitcases or a wall whatever it's going to be that the dogs will search at there's going to be a partition that the handler has to stand behind that partition will have a basically a two-way mirror part to it it's really no bigger than a door but you'll stand behind that while the dog searches the area that will eliminate the dog looking back to you for information you can still see what the dog is doing and when the dog does the correct behavior at source, you'll be able to give your verbal marker or clicker or whatever the handler chooses to use. But the biggest part is the dog can be separated from you and not get any information you whatsoever, but yet you're still able to see what goes on. Now, a, I would say a poor man's version of that or an easy way to do that was those that have a Schutzen blind, if you put that Schutzen blind up in your search area and you stand behind it and you can still see through one of the little peepholes on the, on the Schutzen blind, it's the same thing. It's just a, a way to divide sure. you from the dog, yet you still see everything that goes on. But it takes away your body language cues and where you're looking at, which are all a part of that dog's learning part where it's, it says, okay, I'm searching, and then I look back at the handler. And we all can relate to this in the human sense. So if you're a detection dog handler and you're doing certification, you're doing training, and the other trainers are behind you following you, we all kind of know where the hide's at because – Everybody else in the group not running a dog usually shuts up or stops walking where the hide's at. Yeah, close, so exactly. we all do it to ourselves. Our dogs, it's proven through cognition and learning that the dogs do it to us too. So this is just a tool in addition to stepping up your game and detection with a sure. marker to do the same thing and get the dog to clearly understand what your task is without help. And, and we do an even poorer man's version of, of that same exercise, and it's worked out well for us, is we'll set a hide up in a room have the handler in the hallway where they can see me or another handler or somebody, then the hide will be, you know, kind of button hooked around so the, the dog cannot see the handler, but, but it's kind of a triangle. The other person will watch the, the dog and uh, just give a simple thumbs up when the dog goes to sure, final. Sure. So it's kind of fun doing that. I've done that with veteran dogs where some of them will go, they'll hit the odor, they'll turn around, they'll look at me. Some of them will wait for me to reach for my pocket or mm -hmm. something, but when I don't move at all, some of them will, uh, it's nice to see someone will just go right back to the odor and lock up. A few of them will run out and look at the handler. And, and I've instructed the handler then, don't say a word, just ignore them. And then you see the wheels start turning the dog. It's like, well, I guess I should go back to odor. But usually I, I check in with you. So it's, it's pretty cool. Once the dog figures out, I don't need information from him. Their reliability and their indications usually improve just taking the handler out of that picture. So I like the idea of, you know, setting up some, a training facility with something like that from the very beginning, just to, to remove the, the handle. Yeah, and I challenge a lot of the teams I get to work with, do this first. Put yourself in the search area and watch how the dog looks to humans to work through it. And let's say the dog's searching 90% of the time, but still, when they get an odor, you will see them give you some type of look or change of behavior and, yep. they, and they pay attention to the humans in the room, whether it be the handler or somebody else. So one of the fun exercises, and I bring it up in the some of the other interviews I've done, where 
uh, and we did this actually specifically there in Denver with you, is where we turned the handler and faced them the opposite direction of where the odor was at. Yeah. And it was amazing, wasn't it, watching the dogs go, okay, there's odor over here, but you're facing the other the other wall. So, so I should yeah, and they kept spending all their time checking the the wall that was blank and, and struggled to go to the wall that had odor on it, even though those of us on the side could see the dog going towards the odor, but then they would always come back towards yeah. the handler and search the other wall. So if you can set up training where the dog can learn, be obedient to that odor, despite what you're doing, you're really going to enhance your detection dog and you're going to make yourself above and beyond the the reliability of the, or the what's required for the eyes of the court. And you know what what I like about doing these types of exercises, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what I've seen in the dogs, and I've been fortunate now to run quite a few through those types of ones where you want to get their, the cognitive part of their brain to figure some things out, it seems like once they're, they have to problem solve once, twice, three times, then it's that's it's not a problem. So um, it usually seems like get, get that kicked in, then they'll uh, start using that type of thinking. Uh, whether, whether the dog's been working the street for six months or six years, it seems like you can kick that in pretty quickly. Would Absolutely. I think whether you do nose work or you're doing professional detection work, the more you can put your dog through, again, lack of a better term, puzzles to solve to get to the odor location or let's say – one of the things I'll do too is block the area a little bit, but there's a way to get closer to source. The dog has to do this and has to problem solve this. A dog that demonstrates and becomes successful at this, again, learns to work without the handler because you're not doing anything. You can't help them solve this problem. The dog just has to solve the problem on its own. And a dog that does do this and problem solves gets successful faster. And then in the real world, when there's things that you can't control, like a, a large semi or a vehicle just packed full of tons of garbage and whatever, the dog will problem solve through their, that level of distraction or barriers and give and get to the answer. And then for you, it's become unmistakable. Just, just yeah. by exercising that part of their brain and training, they, they start learning to use, to, to use other parts of Absolutely. their brain. So this is where I was at. I mean, I think we've probably spent a little time now. If people are interested in this, we've probably convinced some people, you know, that sounds like a good way to train. When you and I were having beers over training, I thought, you know, I want to do this. And I thought I could try and figure out how to do it. But, you know, how do you, how do you start with this? So you gave me some real simple instructions. And I guess what the point I'm going to is that if you're listening to this and you've been working your dog, whether it's six months or six years, it's easy to transfer your dog over if right now you're, you're doing a traditional reward source of, of tossing a toy towards the, the odor. It's not going to hurt your dog. It's not going to change anything. It's uh, And it's a very easy way to start. And the easiest way uh, to start is kind of what you explained to me. So if you want to, somebody's listening right now, what would you tell them? How What would be the first step if they're that they want to start with their already certified dog, they want to transition over to this, what would be the first Absolutely. Step? You're 100% right. You can take a dog at any age, any stage of where you've been in, in your training or as a handler. You have your dog six years, six months, whatever it is, science is science, right? So the way we start this is it's either focusing or target drills is what we call them. But anyway, I take that high value toy, that object, and all I initially do is have the dog basically in a sit position or a position I want it in, have the dog sit and I put the object in front of them. So let's say I use a table or a countertop or a chair. I can put that object on that item 
and the dog has to sit and my hand initially might be blocking it because of course the dog's instinct is to jump forward and grab it as soon as you put it there. So I get the dog to basically sit there. I put the object down. The dog's looking at it. My first step might be, I only get my hand an inch away, but as soon as I get my hand a little bit away, I give whatever my marker is going to be. So if it's a click, I would click. If it's my word, I'd say free. And the dog at that point is allowed to grab that item. So all that exercise is, is what we call charging the mark. I'm letting them know or teaching through classical conditioning that this signal now means you can have your reward. So we repeat that process over and over again with the goal being I can put that item down, step away a distance, and as soon as the dog hears that signal, they can jump forward and get it. Another little twist to that, and I've done this with my new puppy now, is I just take an item. So in this case, it was a small magnetic uh, spice container. And I actually put odor in it because I could kind of do a two-for-one thing right here. I put that on the refrigerator. And because he saw me put it there, he already had natural interest in going to it. So as soon as his nose came up and touched it, I gave him the marker. And he got his reward. We played. In this case, I used food in the very beginning only because it gave me the ability to have fast repetition. But you can use a toy, whatever you want, especially the experienced sure. dogs. You can use a toy. It's pretty easy. But anyway, they go up to that item. They, they basically put their nose on it. When they put their nose on it, they hear their mark. And all you're doing, again, is you're charging the mark. In this case, you're getting a two-for-one because it's also target stimulus, the odor, that they will eventually have to search for and find. So th those are two ways that you can use to kind of – Again, charge a mark and get the dog to understand what that is um, before you start going into actual search work. And I could tell you from my own experience, uh, after we talked about that, like any uh, smart dog handler, I went straight home and in the middle of the night, I started <laughs> training my dog because I was excited to to see how long it would take to, to charge that mark. And it took uh, probably yeah. about 10 minutes. It, it's a quick thing. It was a fun game. And the more I did it, the the more he liked it. And what I've what I've learned from from this now is that um, you can't overcharge that mark. Uh, the dogs that we've trained, the ones where that people have spent plenty of time playing that game, where free it means that they're going to get that high value reward, whatever whatever their favorite toy is. I'll do that, and it's a it's a works good if I have a new handler. I'll uh, send the handler home with the dog, and that's the only game they play. There's no obedience. There's no anything. Mm -hmm. I just teach them how to charge that mark. And what I'm looking for is that first day of training when that dog's walking around just simply being a dog and the handler says free, I want that dog almost to jump out of his skin to, to be so crazy about it because once that mark is charged that well, marking odor and everything else has sure made my life uh, Absolutely. a Absolutely. And I'll, I challenge it because you know this and you, we've done the class numerous times. One of the first questions I always ask a group is, who in here does marker training? And you might get, let's say out of 50 or 60 people, you might get five to 10. And then I remind everybody, you all do it, but you all do it in a negative way. So when that dog that you guys all have, when you say no or fooey, what does that dog expect to have happen after they hear that? Well, that's a correction, most cases. So in a sense, exactly. that's the exact same thing we're doing. We're giving a signal, which is in our case, like me and you talk about a word, and then that's followed up by the primary reward. Well, if you already believe because you used, you know, know or fooey and followed by correction, you already fully know and understand how to do this. You're just doing it right now in the positive punishment side instead of doing it in the positive reinforcement side by giving a signal and following it up with reward. So 
it's a concept people everybody everybody exactly. does, but when you first bring up the word marker, people are like, "Oh, I don't know if I do that," or "I don't like my dog leaving source because you know, um, you know, there's all that exactly. all that misconception of what classical conditioning really is." And everybody understands classical conditioning. Everybody agrees with it. All we're saying is apply it in this manner, and you're going to have far greater success. Well, and I think everybody who's handled a, a dog, a detector dog for any length of time, whether they're guilty of it or they've certainly seen, you mentioned it earlier, the Velcro pocket. So they've they've built a marker into a lot Absolutely. of dogs just by when that Velcro goes off, that's the same as saying free to many dogs. But the problem is that that's usually uh, when the dog is asking you, am I right or am I wrong? And the handler reaches for that Velcro and it it's cueing the dog instead of marking Absolutely. the correct behavior. So it's been, a, it's been a great thing for me. We're going to do a couple of episodes on this to kind of explain how we integrate things afterwards but this episode i wanted to go through basically just explain what it is and then how we get started on it and basically it's just the 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 charging the mark to get started and once you've got that mark charged we'll go down in the next episode kind of uh what we do uh to to start with a new dog or to transition a, a working dog over but it's a it's a simple real simple transition and I don't know anybody who's embraced it in an open mind that has not uh, said the same thing that I said at the beginning of the show is that I won't train another dog without it. Um, you get your, your doubters sometimes, but if they uh, watch it and they see the results we're getting, I think they're, they're pretty oh, happy. Oh, absolutely. And in, in the emerging sport of nose work and scent work that's out there, I get to watch people with dogs that have maybe the eighth of the drive that we have because we selectively choose dogs to do this job where the people that are in the sport do it with their pet and it's the exact same results. So again, science is science. And as we go through it, like you said, in the subsequent episodes, we'll discuss this kind of stuff and maybe uh, for the listeners, maybe we'll even put some stuff on YouTube or something just to give an example and link that to our, our description here. Sounds good. So if you guys are interested in this class too, Cameron and I teach a class called On the Mark Detection Dog Training, and we do it together um, at different places. Some Sometimes it's hands-on, sometimes it's classroom. We'll do this class at HITS in Chicago. Um, if you guys like the idea, you come and see it. We've got some videos and some experiences we've had. And every year that we do it, it seems like we've by the time we get around to teaching it at HITS every year, but between the two of us, we've had the fortunate uh, experiences of training several more dogs. And kind of keep fine-tuning things a little bit. So if you like the idea, check out our HITS webpage, hitsk9.net. Uh, we'll, again, we'll be doing the on-the-mark detection dog training, uh, among other things. And then Cameron, I know you got some exciting news coming up. Uh, what's going yep. on with so you? So as of, uh, I guess it was two weeks ago, I will be heading to Las Vegas and joining Silver State Canine, which is a detection dog training and education facility. And we were going to do a lot of the classes that you're talking about right now, even having you there with me. And we'll do on the mark uh, with those once we get the date set and put that out there. But yeah, I'm going to be living full time in Las Vegas and at Silver State Canines Training Center. And whether you're doing nose work, um, you know, any of the professional bomb works or uh, detection dog handler work, whether it be explosive detection, narcotic detection, gun detection, things of like that nature. This facility is designed for detection dog uh, training, top to bottom. I mean, I've been, 
yeah, you and I have been around a, a long time. And, you know, when I got, when I saw this place, I couldn't believe it. It's, it's really, really nice for doing detection dog work. So I'm honored to be out there and be a part of that. And in the coming weeks um, at CNCA conference, we will have kind of like our kickoff for that event. That sounds great. Are you going to be selling dogs there also or, or providing training or what all will you be doing there? Yes, there'll be some of some of the we have fully trained dogs available. It won't be green dog kind of thing. It's going to be, you know, a very defined product. So if it's a bomb dog, it's a bomb dog. If it's a gun dog and so forth. So uh, there'll be gun dog sales or sorry, detection dog sales there. But the main focus of that is training. So there's going to be train the trainer courses. So if there's trainers out there or handlers out there that are ready to become trainers, we'll be doing trainer courses. Those that want to become a handler that haven't been a handler yet, you can also come out to our facility and go through a handler's course and work some of our dogs and get at least your beginning step to becoming a professional dog handler uh, going. Sounds, sounds outstanding. Well, thanks for your time today. And as I mentioned, we'll be doing a couple more episodes on this, uh, walking everybody through uh, what's the next step after, after they've charged the mark, what's the next step. So if you guys like this concept, check out the next episode we have with Cameron. And thanks again from Hits Radio, and hopefully we'll see you in Chicago in August. Thanks. Thanks.